0: Poyman Ministries Podcast Network, Strength for Today's Pastor. Hello, and welcome to today's episode of Strength for Today's Pastor, a resource designed to strengthen you, the senior or lead pastor of your church. Here's your host, Bill Holdridge. Bill is the director of Poyman Ministries, which is a team of former longtime senior pastors who are available to strengthen pastors to strengthen churches
1: welcome to strength for today's pastor this is the podcast show of poyman ministries and we are happy to be here with you today and our hope is that we would be able to strengthen you the senior or lead pastor in the ministry that god has given you to do We're here today again with Pastor Terry McNabb. Terry is one of our Poyman Ministries pastors and is on our team, and he has focused some of his ministry, at least, if not much of his ministry, on what we have called pastoral coaching. Terry experienced that himself in his 23 years of ministry at Calvary Chapel, Portland, Oregon. Now he's serving with us in Poyman Ministries, but uh, his background led him into seeking out pastoral coaching himself. And from that, uh, there has been a ministry to pastors. And we yet, we talked yesterday, Terry, about the idea of coaching, what it is, how it's providing a set of eyes on a situation, asking questions. It's not directing someone in ministry at all, but it's really listening, observing, drawing out from that particular pastor What he probably already knows but in some cases has forgotten
2: absolutely and uh, it was how the lord worked in my life to really uh, help me to continue to grow and to stay focused on what he called me to do rather than just get caught in the routines and the the cycles of ministry of you know that can be distracting and uh, it's really been a pleasure to help other pastors uh just to stay focused on the main thing that God is doing in their life and not just get get drawn into the the um the pitfalls of ministry that can be uh unsatisfying.
1: Yeah, so yesterday you talked to the pastors about uh the way these coaching conversations and encounters begin and it's usually you sitting down with the pastor whether in person or initially over the phone, and kind of hearing their story. What led you to seek out the coaching kind of a relationship or an interest in coaching? And they tell their story, and sometimes they're similar to stories you've already heard. And then after you, you hear enough and after you know about enough that which led them into the conversation, then you ask the question, um, how do you know you were called, or tell me about your calling. So briefly review that, the calling question, what's behind that?
2: Well, I just believe that we're in ministry because God called us into ministry. Uh, I think of how Jesus said to the apostles right before the cross, uh, John 15, you didn't choose me, I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that fruit should remain. And, you know, the ministry wasn't my idea, our idea. If it was just our idea, then it's really not going to work. Or, you know, say the pastorate. If the pastorate was just me imitating somebody I respected, then it's not going to work. Uh, I do believe that, you know, Ephesians 2.10, the Lord, we're God's workmanship, and he's preparing us for a good work that he's prepared for us to do. So the main thing is to discover what that good work is. Um, but it, I just operate from the premise that, The ministry is God's work, and it's working through us. So did God call me to the pastorate? It's easy, yes or no, and how do you know? Because if he didn't, we can't force it and make something happen in the ministry that God never intended. Let's get redirected onto what God did call you to do. So, you know, just getting back to what the Lord is doing, I think, takes the pressure off of the pastor to fix himself or to you know, to suddenly be the CEO of some big church that he's not meant to be.
1: Yeah, and if some have said, if a pastor is not sure of his calling or has forgotten about his calling, then now he's got two problems. He's got the problem, number one, of how difficult and challenging ministry is dealing with people and the various situations that come up in overseeing a church. That's problem number one. And then problem number two is, he's not even sure if he should be doing it.
2: Yeah. And you imagine operating for years under that fear, that underlying anxiety of trying to be in front of people, but fearing that you shouldn't be doing this. And it just creates all kinds of anxiety and stress and dysfunction in that pastor's life. It breaks down his marriage. It affects the church. And I don't, I just don't think the ministry is obviously not meant to be that, but it's meant to be a joy. And so let's get back to what the Lord wants to
1: do. Right. So after that part of the conversation, and there are overall five points of discussion that you are focused on in your coaching conversations. So after the calling question comes the next question, which is, so what is the goal of your ministry? What did God call you to do? Or in other words, what's your vision?
2: Yes, the vision is when God calls, he calls for a purpose. So it's that Ephesians 2.10 or other scriptures. The Lord chose me not to just go and find something to do, but he chose me for a specific task to accomplish at a certain place and a certain time to be in for myself. He called me to be in Portland to accomplish a certain thing. And you, you see that in Paul's conversion, that the Lord spoke to him, not just to to bring him into salvation a relationship with the lord but he called him for a specific purpose and even told him that purpose right up front so to veer away from that god-given purpose is just going to be frustration so number one what's your are you called and then number two what what's your vision or what did god call you to do
1: yeah, when I think about vision, what goes comes into my mind is the idea of what did God call me to do that it was so clear that if I don't do it, I'm not fulfilling his call upon my life or I'm being disobedient perhaps if I don't do it to what he is he has asked me to do. That's that's the the power and the importance of the vision question. So from there, we come to the next of uh, the final three questions that you ask. And and what's the next question that you typically ask in a coaching conversation?
2: Well, number one is commission or calling. Number two is vision or the goal. And number three is mission. What ministries or actions are required to accomplish your vision? So... Often when we talk about vision and mission, those two things get confused and mixed up. So vision is the goal. Mission is the actions or the activities I need to take to get there. So now now we're going to talk specifics. Now we're going to move into the practical things and the organizational part of his life and his ministry and the church. So if you tell me, If someone tells me I need to lose 20 pounds, and then I'm going to say, okay, tell me what you're doing to reach that goal. Well, I'm just trying, you know, to walk a little bit, or I'm just trying to eat a little bit less. That's not really much of a plan. So I'll say, "No, let's make a real plan. Tell me the five things that you're going to do to reach a particular goal. Well, that now, now my decision making becomes very clear. Now I'm going to look at, in the ministry. I'm going to look back at all the activities of the church, and I'm going to see them through a different lens. Now I'm going to evaluate every one, every part of the church, the services, the staff, the departments, the outreaches, the missions, and say, are they serving the purpose for which God called me? into the ministry, and his general purpose for the church. And I have to make hard decisions. Are they serving God's purpose or not? Because there are lots of activities that are worthy activities, but they may not be part of the Lord's calling in my life. And so that's mission. It's the individual activities.
1: So there's some saying no to things with that, and there's some saying yes to other things that do fulfill that vision within this whole mission question
2: absolutely now now we're into the evaluation i have to say i have to look at certain things in the church and have maybe even a car a hard conversation with somebody's pet ministry and saying this really isn't serving the purpose of this church or maybe it used to but it's not being fruitful right now so We have to streamline and stay focused. In Calvary, we like, we don't like to be that strategic always because we like to be open to the leading of the Lord. But the fact is, I see all over, for example, Paul's letters, uh, action strategy in his ministry. He would start to say things that revealed he had a strategy. He wasn't just waking up in the morning and say, saying, Lord, lead me. He would say things like, uh He had, he wanted to go and preach the gospel where others hadn't gone before. Or, I've determined to know nothing except Christ and Him crucified. Now, those are concrete strategy statements. And he made many of those kinds of statements in his letters, where they directed him to accomplish what the Lord had called him to do. And he would say even to people, you know, this is what the Lord has called me to do and you are within the scope of my ministry and I'm not going to reach beyond the bounds of what the Lord has called me to do. It was very strategic and very focused. So that's what mission is. It's tell me the strategic activities that are going to reach the goal or the purpose that God has called you into the ministry for.
1: So I can imagine that as you are, working through this particular question with a pastor asking him various uh questions about that ministry that you're helping him identify some of these things and and maybe even help him if he gets stuck with an action plan is that right
2: That's absolutely right automatically you know he's he's thinking differently and he's trying to think in an, in a way that's evaluating things and he maybe hasn't thought a lot about Certain areas of the church, he's just delegated it off to somebody else and say, you take care of that. I'm just going to teach Sunday mornings. And now he's going, okay, well, I've got to have these hard conversations and I've got to talk to this person. And I know this area of the church or this leader is distracted or it's, it's just not really accomplishing much. So what I've done is really put him back in charge. Whereas Maybe he's, he's abdicated his leadership, but he didn't know how to be a leader in a strategic way. And so now I'm, now I'm helping him process, as you said, how to think clearly about each ministry. And frankly, he knows whether or not a certain activity in the church is functioning or fruitful or not. He already knows that. And if he knows it and he's letting it go, then that's causing him stress.
1: Mm -hmm. Especially if he hasn't exerted or exercised much leadership over that to help them sort of accommodate or filter their ministry through the vision of the church and the vision of that person's ministry. Yes. Yes that can really be it can be scattered. You have maybe 30 ministries going on in a church, and all of them are sort of operating independently of one another, and there's no cohesive vision, and there's no cohesive plan of action, and everybody's scrambling. A very, very busy church, but not necessarily a productive or fruitful one.
2: Yeah, that's exactly the, the often the typical scenario. And it's often because the church has grown, which is a good thing, but uh, the pastor wants to, to, you know, stay focused on being a, the teacher and ministering to people individually. Um, but he's lost um, a, a coordinated effort within the church. And at first he might be thinking, well, I'm not sure if that person will accept input from me now. I've just let them go for a long time. Mm-hmm. But I found just the opposite. Well, maybe maybe certain you know, department leaders want to be left alone, but most of them um are feeling a little abandoned and they would rather be reconnected with the rest of the leadership of the church into a, a more of a fellowship approach to ministry rather than you go do your thing and let me know if you have any problems. So I think, I think most people in our church Want to, they don't want to feel like they're isolated in their ministry. They want to be, they want to be together and let's do this together. And it really does more to reignite the, your staff and your leaders and, and all of your ministry people to be reconnected with that central God given purpose for that church.
1: So that's a great segue into the next of the points, and that is uh, the organization of these things we've got the commission which is the call to ministry the vision which is the goal of the ministry the mission which is the action and activities to fulfill the vision and now we come to organization which deals with what
2: well organization is merely looking at your church calendar the weekly monthly yearly calendar and taking all these actions and activities and putting putting them in a strategic place that is the most effective for the life of the church. We have to organize, but the organization is not just filling in the church calendar. It's being very strategic within the the week, the seasons of the year. What's the best time to take this missions trip? How When are we going to start preparing for the holidays? For the Christmas services, everything becomes more str- strategic and a coordinated effort. So organization is essentially the church calendar, and I think it's very biblical. Uh, a couple of scriptures right here in my in my coaching notes. First Chronicles 6:32 says that they served in their office according to their order. Titus 1:5, Paul wrote to Titus. You should set in order the things that are lacking. So organization is how God operates. And so, so sometimes pastors resist organization because we want to be open to the new thing that God wants to do. And, of course, we're open to the, the leading of the Spirit. But how about the things that the Lord has already shown us in the leading of His Spirit? Let's put those things into a strategic plan. Coordinated effort, and if something needs to be changed, we're free to change it. the The church calendar is not the Ten Commandments in stone, you know. It's just a guideline, and it helps everybody work together in a simple, focused way. So, organization is just merely reflecting the God-given vision and uh, mission of the church, but it's a bit like a, a family financial budget. We don't want to do it because we we don't want to feel restricting on our the managing of our money or our time. But it really is the very tool you need to reach your goals.
1: Yeah, rather than being restrictive, it's actually freeing, isn't it? Absolutely. Well, the organization of the church, uh, when that process is undergone and the calendar is being worked on it's a collaborative effort isn't it it's is something to where a senior pastor or lead pastor who is gifted in certain areas but maybe not in administration he can still be part of that process if he does it in a collaborative way with other people that can help in the process don't you think
2: that is an amazing point you just made because um there are pastors who are strong administrators but many are not strong in administration, so they just want to tell other you somebody else, you go do it. But if they go make the church calendar without his input, then it won't reflect God's vision or God's purpose. So for him to do it as a team approach with all of his leadership and all of his workers to do it together really is a support to the pastor. There There are people who are gifted organizers within the church— that will help the pastor if that's not his strength and and then with his input then everybody gets excited and the calendar is reflecting what the pastor knows god put in his heart to do
1: so even if that pastor is bored with meetings and doesn't like those kinds of sit-down situations and isn't particularly administrative himself. He can find great joy in knowing that a team is being formed, a collaborative approach is being used, and the vision that God has given us is going to be implemented because of it.
2: Absolutely. I think the key for the pastor, even if he's you know tired of meeting, is to see the meeting as implementing what God has put in his heart to do. This is not a distraction from his central purpose. It's an extension of it. So if he can see that connection, then he can feel released to, to be a part of it and actually know how to direct the meeting because those, the people, you know, making the calendar or helping to decide the church activities, they need to hear his heart. They need to know what God has put in his heart to do so that they can then um, carry out the practical part of the spiritual vision that God is doing. And then the whole church gets excited because now everybody's working together rather than these isolated departments, which is, I would see that, that department separation and isolation in my church. And I've many years thought, I, I, what's wrong with me? I'm just a bad leader. And the more I researched this, I discovered that this is chronic problem of all organizations, that departments become separated and just want to be left alone. And it is just chronic of organizational structures. And so I felt better about myself that it wasn't just me that was a bad leader. And, and there was simple ways to fix that problem.
1: So now you've got an organization schedule of ministries and activities that have been put together in a collaborative way by a team. People are excited because they're feeling part of one another and they're feeling connected to the main vision uh, oversees the church itself. And now it's time then to roll this out. And you've uh, identified this last point as communication. So we've got a couple of minutes here. Uh, Maybe you could summarize what this communication part of the process looks like.
2: Absolutely. I think this is tremendously important um, because often pastors, I have found, do, don't share what the Lord is doing because they they don't want to stir up, you know, different opinions and different things. But really, the people need to hear what the Lord is doing. And if you want people to participate in the church, you you want them to volunteer or to give to support the projects that the Lord is doing, you need to include them in the process. And um, the direction comes from the Lord, but the people need to be a part of it and feel that it's their church and they're not being left out. So if we we don't tell them anything and then just suddenly have a sign-up list for a project or an event and they don't sign up, then the reason is, because you haven't included them so communication needs to go toward the elders the board the staff the congregation and on out into the community there needs to be regular thorough communication of what the lord is doing and what activities we're doing and why and it becomes tedious to to be good at communication because it, you know, it can feel like, well, we've said it three or four times. Now the people should know, but often people, people aren't at church weekly. They haven't heard or they've just gotten distracted with something else they're doing. So it's common in leadership books to, to read that, that we cannot over communicate. It's, we need to just regularly inform the people. And as things are changing, now we need help with this. And so it seems easy communication, but often there's a breakdown in in this area of the church, and it really affects the direction of the church, the life of the church. So maybe the other things have been done. There's a clear calling and vision, and we have the activities under the mission. Maybe we've developed the church calendar, but if the people don't know what they, what the Lord is leading to do and how it's been organized, because um, it we d- we can assume that it's so what's so clear in our own minds, is clear in everybody else's mind. They should know. Well, I said it last week, and we start to get irritated with the congregation instead of just communicating. So it, I find there's often a breakdown either in organization or communication.
1: Boy, and that's so so amazingly easy to overcome. I like what you said. It's, it's really impossible to over-communicate. So we have to have that in our heads. And I'm thinking that when we do communicate, we need to communicate often, we need to communicate clearly, we need to communicate simply, and we need to communicate in light of the overall vision. And if we can do that, then we give the people and the whole church environment the best possible opportunity to fulfill the vision that God has given to that pastor and to that congregation
2: absolutely yeah i think it's it is so simple but the failure to do it will create a lot of frustration and trouble in the church that could have been easily avoided
1: right well amazingly we are done with our conversation today terry and this has been so helpful and for those of you that are listening uh to this particular podcast this is the second of two podcasts on this subject of pastoral coaching where you are able to sit down with a coach of sorts who is able to ask you specific questions that have to do with your calling and how you can confirm that calling what did god say to you when he called you your vision what he called you to do And then how that carries on out into your personal ministry, the mission of the church, the activities of the church, the organization of the church, and the communication of the church's direction and program. And all of these things put together are part of the coaching relationship. So if you are in that place where you're kind of wondering, am I spinning my wheels? I've been at this for a while, three to five years, maybe 20, 25 years or more, and it's definitely a new season you might benefit from a coaching relationship that can help you think differently about your situation. The thoughts will be yours. The questions will be ours. So if you want that, then just reach out to us and contact us, and maybe even Pastor Terry will be available to connect with you himself. But thanks again, Terry, for being part of this. It's been really rich, really fruitful, I think, and I'm uh, praying that God will just really strengthen and encourage the pastors that are listening.
2: Thank you, Bill, for having me on. And uh, we do pray for pastors and want to see pastors enjoy the ministry and to see God working through their lives in their own cities, and their own churches. So uh, we're available to talk to them, and uh, we encourage them not to be shy to reach out to us.
1: Amen. Great invitation. So that concludes today's podcast show of Strength for Today's Pastor, sponsored by Poyman Ministries. Thank you for
0: joining us. Strength for Today's Pastor is sponsored by Poyman Ministries. You can find us at poimanministries.com. That's spelled P-O-I-M-E-N ministries.com. If something in today's program prompts a question or desire to connect with us, or if you have a comment or a topic idea for a future episode, just shoot us an email at StrongerPastors at gmail.com. That's StrongerPastors at gmail.com. Until we meet again, may you continue to be a strengthened pastor.